0: This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So let's go ahead and get started now with, with talking about Easter. This is, this is the first part of our, our Easter series. And, and boy, it, just, it feels so, uh, you know, I don't know if irony is the right word, but, but it feels so appropriate for us to be moving towards Easter right now. And what Easter means a little backstory to that I was so privileged, and I thought this was a great idea. Uh, no and Suzanne, dear friends, uh, online viewers in the congregation invited me in to a to an online chat with with Suzanne and her siblings and their spouses and significant others, and just just to talk on Friday and it wasn't It wasn't like um, you know there to answer all questions or anything like that, but folks sitting there in that group online was just beautiful. Hearing people share what's hard and what's beautiful was was truly inspiring. Like like that's where faith really lives. That's where faith really comes alive. And that admixture of what is hard and beautiful, we're gonna see that throughout the Easter season. You know, it's, Anne Lamott said way back when, she said, uh, you know, we live in an Easter Sunday, Easter. we live in our heads in an Easter Sunday world, but then we really live in a Good Friday world. That that idea that between the Good Friday, which is when Jesus died, and the Resurrection Sunday, which is what we celebrate on Easter, we so much want to like go right to Sunday, but that's not how it works. Easter has this pattern that gets repeated over and over and over again. So take a look at what this pattern is, folks. There's three parts to it. It's where we move from death to waiting to resurrection, from death to waiting to resurrection. And and I don't want to like overplay the, the the death word there. It's just it's just certain things as these times get challenging. Certain things do tend to die, and 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 you know. Um, For any families out there who are dealing with health scares, I don't want to treat that lightly at all. And and I, I think however we see it is that we can all see, at least in smaller ways, things that feel like they're dying at a time like this. You know, I think about so many of our wonderful congregants who are small business people, and it's a real struggle right now. I think as well about people who have been furloughed. It's a real struggle right now. I think about those in the health and medical professions, it's a real struggle right now. And that can feel like a small death in so many different ways. And then there's also this idea that it's, that it's a time with a great deal of waiting. Friday of Easter, Good Friday, Jesus dies, Sunday resurrected, and then there's this part we never talk about, which is Saturday, which is that, that waiting. And maybe some of you are in that place, of just simple waiting. And and I don't want to say even that that these are necessarily linear. I, I know I can go back and forth several times a day. You know, I can be with a small group chatting with people and feel like, yeah, here's some resurrection. And then I can hear from a parishioner who's teary. And I can feel like this is Good Friday. And I think our job is to hold it all. To say, this is Easter. It's the whole thing. As part of that, folks, our job then is to simply continue carrying on. Like, like, for those of you who feel like you're failing somehow, if you woke up this morning, you're doing fine. If you woke up this morning, you're doing fine. And that idea of carry on so incredibly significant. I want to drive it home with a beautiful video of a song here that was sent to us from Graham and Christina Fuller out in Colorado. They sent it in through their friend, Katie Youngie, and and I want to share it with you. It's just a beautiful song, and it's just to get us set up with that idea. Yeah, our job right now may just
1: be to carry on. Enjoy the video.
0: Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Graham Christine, I know you're watching from out there in Colorado. Just thank you for all of us. I'm sure I'm speaking for those of us online who found that power in that song. That idea of carry on, like how do we do it? And there's there's a million and one ways to answer this question. And I I don't want to be programmatic and say like there's only three ways. I just want to talk about three possible ways to think about and ways you may Ways that may resonate with you. Maybe all three do, maybe just one does, but it seems a really important thing for us to talk about. How do we carry on? And I feel like, again, this attaches back into the Easter story. The Easter story is is not a triumphalist story. There's, There's nothing about it, and I say this a lot, there's nothing about it that resembles a superhero plot. None of it. it it actually resembles this this failure, but it's a failure that's held in love, and it's a failure, quote-unquote, that ends up redemptive, that ends up bringing humanity forward, ends up helping us to understand God in a new way. That idea that Jesus was here on this earth not to change God's mind about us, but to change our mind about God. Not to change God's mind about us, but to change our mind about God. I think That's really important. So let's start with this idea, you know, of, of like how, and we'll, we'll be attaching it back in, but I, but I want to sort of back up a little bit, sort of predating the Easter story, which was the call of the disciples. And this is the first way I think we can work at carrying on. It's the idea of remember who you are. Sounds sort of like the Star Wars line, doesn't it? Remember, I want to read just a brief part here. This is from John chapter 1. And this is the call of one of the disciples, Peter. Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, in other words, the anointed one. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas which when translated is Peter. I want to look at that line. Jesus looked at him and said, and again, like, he knew his name. Start with that. He didn't ask him his name. He knew his name. You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Here we see, you know, again, Jesus acknowledging a name of who we are and then calling us to a name that I think is all about remembering who we actually are. You know, that idea, he said, you will be known as Peter. What that is, it was Peter was supposed to picture this. Take a look at this next picture. It was to picture a rock. A rock. The wise man, in a very famous parable, Jesus says, the wise man builds his house upon a rock, not the sand. That's what it's talking about—the idea of a rock, that idea of an incorruptible, an incorruptible part of us, and the incorruptible part that's in all of us. That—that that trying to get down to bedrock. I remember so well hearing hearing uh, Parker Palmer talking about his struggle with depression, and he said the one gift—I mean, not the depression—is to ever be taken lightly. Is is he said, the one gift that, that, that depression gave him, and he cycled through it a number of times, was it got him down to the very rock of his being. It got him down to where his feet made contact with the hard ground. And as we learn, brothers and sisters, the ground will hold you. The ground will hold you. There is a bedrock there. You actually already own part of it. I think about the courage of people who are moving through and sort of coming to that bedrock place. And, and, uh, you know, you see it sometimes in very serious ways, and then you see it in funny ways. I think about some of the things I see like moms doing. This is a great little Facebook post from a mom. I know the coronavirus is scary, but try working with a four-year-old dressed like Spider-Man. You see the four-year-old dressed like Spider-Man in the background there. Spider-Man perched on the kitchen table behind you, whispering, can you hear me breathe? I like that. I like the mom's look there. See, that's funny. And it's also a rock. It's also a mom saying, even here, I will find a place to smile. I will find a place of joy. I will find a place of freedom. Spider-Man and all. The Rock. I'm gonna ask you for a minute to think about that. Now the question is this. The question is, what are you being called to remember? What are you being called to hear right now? What are you being called to remember? What we're gonna do is a 60 second timer is gonna come up and I want you to take sixty seconds. Text in an answer to me, or put it in the chat room. We're so lucky to have John and Karin both managing that today from out of Michigan. Uh, you know, put in the chat room or text me. You know, what are you being called to remember? And then we're so fortunate to have a beautiful song. And after that song, I'm going to come back and talk about what you folks have shared. So, sixty seconds. Take a look at what are you being called to remember. Text me two one five. 7403662 We're doing Just a beautiful, beautiful song, and you know, reading through these folks, what you wrote was just beautiful. And I want to do uh, and do a, an exercise here in kind of p- collective remembering, like what does it look to remember? So I want to read read through some of these. Uh, so grateful the way life was before. We're being called to remember all the great people on this earth, that they truly show the Lord's love, but much more pronounced in a difficult time. I'm being called to remember what matters most, my loved ones, health, well-being, and happiness. And without challenges, I will never fully appreciate their importance in my life. How precious life really is. God and good is the only power and cannot be usurped. We are not in control. We are all in this together. I'm being called to remember all the people I know everywhere and take time to pick up the texting machine and actually call to see how they are. In the garden, all the apostles were scared of the unknown, went through days of denial, and yet emerged with a risen Savior. What can I learn from their night of darkness? What, I love that idea like the dark night of the soul. Dean writes, Life is about moments, not things. Not to remember not to remember when I'm feeling down that others are suffering more, and I'm blessed to be able to help where others cannot. I've done around 50 excuse me, uh, how to preside at funerals and console families scares me, but I've done around 50. Izzy, being called to remember how to be patient with myself and my family. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's that's some work. Jill from down south, my relationship with God. Billy from out in western Pennsylvania, family is always there with love. Heather, pain from the past to have peace with the future. Ruth writes, my precious family. There are things to be joyful for about every single day, Lynn writes, sometimes in sunshine, a good meal, a FaceTime with family. How important it is to stay connected with those that we love, the family's always there. Have fun every day. That's somebody who does have a lot of fun. The life is precious. The kids are a gift. The family is important. Reaching out to those that are lonely. This too shall pass. And I have a gallon of hand sanitizer for you. You are it. We'll get that right down to Kensington. Uh, Called to remember that we're all here to pull together, to help each other get through this and be there for each other. To remember to really listen to what housemates are saying. No assumptions. The st- time spent with our children is the most precious time there is. The pieces of life that truly matter, relationship, family, and friends. Love one another peacefully. That's beautiful, Dave. To serve. Christ is still in control. That I'm not really in control in everything, and that's okay. number more there, folks, that, have, that I'm sure will come in. And, and that's just beautiful. Like, can, can you hear the rock there? And the crazy part is without all this craziness we have a heart or at least I do I have a hard time remembering all those things So the first part of that idea of how of how again we carry on is 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 to remember Now it takes quieting our mind that takes prayer that takes humility that takes a grace but those messages are there. I mean, what you folks wrote again was just incredibly beautiful. The second one to talk about. So, the first is what to remember, and the second one is this follow me. And we say it over and over again here. I think it's so important that, that Jesus never once says, Worship me. His command always is to follow me, even in this. Uh, when when Peter's introduced to Jesus, it's because these other people had decided to follow him, not because they had decided to worship him. Big difference. That's that mutual love we talk about in the new church, the mutual love that goes back and forth, God with us, God with us. That idea of follow me. So important as we get into the Easter season. That idea God is asking us to follow. And again, folks, This is a part of a story where we can really follow it now, maybe in ways—ready for this—maybe in ways we've never been able to before. Because if you follow Jesus through this story, you're going to see heartbreak, and you're going to see a painful resurrection as well. You know, it's not like everything works out in just a cookie cutter way. It's 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 this beauty of holding life as it is in its totality and the power that comes from that. Now, this follow me part, I, I love this line. Sacrifice grows from the sober estimate. I love that idea sober there. Sacrifice grows from the sober estimate of the personal cost. I would have you say the cost word there if you were here in the church with me. The personal cost and following a distinct path and leaving the rest to God. I want to look at this. So, so sacrifice, sacrifice means what we make sacred. And what we do, we have a sober estimate here because it's not, it's not easy to do. And it's not easy to do because there is a cost as we go through following a distinct path, leaving the rest to God. It takes a lot to like try as best we can, as best we can. And we won't be able to do this perfectly to put aside those worries. And just think, literally, what would Jesus do? And what does follow me look like today? What does follow me, Jesus saying, follow me, look like today? And you know, I read all those things you folks shared. You are well on your way, brothers and sisters. So many of those touching on the whole what follow me looks like. And so now let's get a specific example of what follow me actually looks like as part of the Easter story. And, uh, you know, a number of you in text messages actually reference this. So here's from John 13. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. So he knows that. He knows everything. God has empowered him. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. So I want to stop there for a minute. He'd come from God, was returning to God. New church, we believe like, like, uh, you know, here's Jesus, Lord God, Savior Jesus Christ, goes through this process of Easter, and we also mirror that journey, obviously, at a much lower level, like the, the fate of the universe does not depend on how you and I do Easter. Jesus did it at this level, we do it at this level, but there's lots of lessons by looking at it up here that we can make, we can have down here, because we can come to a part where we just know we know we are from god and we're going back to god know that you are from god and you are going back to god some of us you know sooner than others but we're all going to have that journey we are from god you're going back to God. You are from God. You are going back to God. There's incredible power, I think, in understanding that. And 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 then here's this here's this sort of this bedrock, this rock knowledge, getting down to this core of who we are. Right, it comes right back to that rock thing again. And in this part of the Easter story, so saying Jesus had this knowledge, and I think he's asking us to have that knowledge as well, And what does he do? What is the so? And it's not a big surprise. He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. The famous story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Incredibly powerful story. So here was this this big, big knowledge, right? And Jesus did not take this big knowledge, like where you got, I am from God going back to God, where we get at a lower level, right? We're from God going back to God. He didn't take that that deep core knowledge and like say, all right, I got it all, guys. Let me explain this all to you. He didn't. He took that knowledge. And he got down on his knees and washed his friend's feet. That is amazing. That is the best. The humanity and divinity, that's where they intersect. That's where the power of Lord God, Savior Jesus Christ comes from that kind of moment. That is why he said, follow me, not worship me. That idea of how that bended knee works. Now, of course, Peter, going back to Peter who'd been told the rock, Peter had sort of forgotten some of this core knowledge, so Peter makes this comment very famously. Peter says, wash just, you know, I need you to not just wash my feet, not my feet, but my head and my hands as well. Many of you have heard me say this before, and I'll say it again for those of you who might be tuning in for the first time. One One of the amazing parts to me about Scripture is we never step into the same story twice. We never step into the same river twice. We never step into the same story twice. So every year coming back to Easter, there's always these little surprises. Just for me personally as a pastor, it's like, wow, I never thought of it that way. So I just thought, well, Peter just wanted Jesus to wash them well, My feet aren't, you just can't do my feet, you got to do the whole thing. But, but no, it wasn't what Peter was asking here. The disciples were all Jewish. Jesus, Jesus was Jewish. To wash hands and feet was a symbol of ritual purification. So Peter was saying like, Oh, great. How about you purify me as well? Make me pure. Ritual purification. And again, don't, don't think of that. And please don't think of Peter as, as the bad guy of this. Like, like Peter, that's a very understandable reaction. All of these characters in the Bible are just different aspects of ourselves and how we grow. And that's going to be part of it where, where we just, where we just feel like part of, I just want to be purified. Just make me pure, clean, and holy. But there's a difference here between purification versus purpose. Purpose being part three of carry on. This is really significant, folks. Next slide here. I, I would take, I would take a, a picture of this. This is really big. Our lives are not about ritualistic purification. To make clean an event. I want you to see those three differently. Not about ritualistic purification. In other words, living a perfect life, perfect, clean, holy, absolutely nothing going wrong, which means to make clean. That would make it an event that we're to find this event and this event where we are finally all clean. But it's about washing each other's feet, which means to serve. And instead of an event, please listen carefully, folks. It's a practice. It's not an event a one-off. It's a practice. That's what Jesus was trying to show them here, and I think that's so much about how we carry on. New church theology so crystal clear about this. Take a look at this next slide. Love for others or charity is the actual base on which faith is based. You could say foundation there if you wanted to. Like, it's the whole basis of the whole game. is that idea of love for others or charity or service. Like, like it's the basis of the whole game here. That's how we carry on. Think about, like, how that works, right? So we have this idea, this picture here, picture of Jesus washing feet, taking a servant's stance, we have this idea as well, this, this beautiful concept somebody wrote, which I love. Sometimes I joke what I'd do if I had one day left to live. Eat junk, go crazy, etc. And maybe say if we're quarantined for two weeks there. Today it hit me. Jesus knew, and he washed feet. <laughs> I like that a lot. We can do that in our own way. You know, as Angela mentioned. One group, it was making disinfecting, disinfecting gels. Others, we had uh, some, some folks who, who work for Wawa, get, get in touch with New Church Live, take a whole bunch of stuff down to St. Francis Inn. But there's there are a lot like that. And we talk about the, that kind of service thing, ad nauseum. And I do want to say so much of it, folks, in times like this is going to be the little things. Those little ways that we reach out. Those little ways where we simply follow Jesus, but it's, but it's just, it's a simple task. It's as simple as washing feet. It's as simple as washing feet. Starting out with simple connection around those immediately around us, serving there. There's an amazing beauty to this. Like we hear the Easter story so much and and we forget sort of these, at least I shouldn't say we forget, I forget like like how startling some of this stuff is. Like if you read it, and again, you don't know the story as, as many of us do, but many of us don't, you know, if you're reading this for the first time, you would have seen Jesus throughout the Gospels and you saying, yep, I'm going to die and it's going to be a violent death. Yep, I'm going to die and it's going to be a violent death. Yep, I'm going to die and it's going to be a violent death. And there will be a tomorrow. And there will be resurrection. And and you think about all the fear and the worry as those drum beats got louder and louder and louder, as those drumbeats got louder and louder, and the worries and the concerns kept on ramping up. Just try reading your news feed for a while and you'll see what I mean. You know, as those drumbeats got louder and louder. And and here Jesus has this moment, and it's this moment where he's trying to distill it all for everyone. Like, I need you guys to get that this is what it's all about, even in the face of fear and worry, and pain, and anger, and vengefulness, and and all those horrible parts of the human condition. In the face of that, he has a last supper, and, and he says, I have so much wanted to be here with you, to celebrate this dinner with you. And from a place of sure knowledge... To show them what that sure knowledge was, he bends down and serves them. Not about ritual purification and event, but about a purpose. The third one of choosing forward, but about a purpose exercised as best he could with what was right in front of him. And ready, folks? And with who was right in front of him. What a stunning part of a story that is. So I ask you folks again to think About how this story can come alive for you this Easter Easter season. How can we carry on? Don't let that question scare you. Let that question interest you. Let that question call you forward. And let Psalm 5, which we're using as the whole way to hold this whole series, let Psalm 5 be a psalm of your heart. It just covers it all with healing. And this line from this psalm, this is the title of our our series here, I lay down and sleep, yet I will wake up in safety. For the Lord is watching over me. Amen. Amen. The way we're going to close the service now, folks, is threefold. I'm going to offer a prayer. Then we're going to show a video with a song from the full New Church Live Band. Obviously, in times like these, we don't have the full band in, but it's a song that the full band did. Then we're going to have, if there's any kids out there watching and you're looking for a little something to do to get you into the afternoon, we're going to do a little drumming thing. So you can go grab some pots and pans from the kitchen as your parents say a prayer with Pastor Chuck and enjoy the last song. And we're going to have Tony, who's our drummer here at New Church Live, teach us all a last drumming song if you'd like to join with that. And the final word as well. Please remember, folks, any worries, any concerns, any needs, we and I'm speaking for we as in this amazing congregation. We are here for you. Please reach out. We'll do everything we can to help. Amen. Please join me in a prayer. So Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. Thank you for your grace, your light, and your wisdom. Thank you for that beautiful song, Carry On. Thank you for Marcus's beautiful musical offering as well, Lord. I will sing. And help us, Lord, at times like this, to maybe settle into that rock-bottom knowledge that we have. What we need to be remembered by, and what is it that we need to be remembering. Put us in that place of remembering, Lord, for this week. When it all feels worried, when it all feels concerned, when we see graphs that seem to go nowhere but up, bring us back to that rock. As one disciple said, lead me, lead us to the rock that is higher than I. Be with this congregation, Lord. Be with them in tenderness. Be with them in tears. Be with them in joy. Be with us all together. In your name this Sunday, we pray. Amen. And now
1: our closing song. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.